and welcome back to another episode of the Sporting Spirit. And I'm with my co-host today, Carl, yeah. once more. Carl, how was your weekend? Yeah, it's been it's been good. But what about what about sport-wise? Have you been following in the sport? Yeah, I've been uh, keeping up with a lot of sports mm-hmm. now, especially both here in Europe with Champions mm-hmm. League, Europa League, absolutely, and uh, also in US now with like NBA playoffs sure, starting, sure. NHL playoffs, it's, and it's, all that. It's a bit so, strange, yeah. right? It seems like sport has come back to life once more, but all together yeah. on both sides of the Atlantic, right? But yeah, but yeah, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the the Champions League, especially the, the semifinals. Oh, you mean you mean um, Red Bull against the Qatari State? Yeah, because. I mentioned for you earlier, like it's it's like a microcosm of what a lot of people uh, think is wrong with football today. Absolutely. And on one side, you have a team that is owned by a state. Mm-hmm. Some would even ex- call it a rogue state yeah. that uh, violates human rights on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. They are accused of sponsoring terrorism as well. And on the other side, you have a team that is owned by a multi-billion dollar uh, company Mm-hmm. That is basically using the team as a marketing tool, mm-hmm. and they have very restrictive membership policies that goes against the traditional values of sport here in Germany. Absolutely no, yeah, no, I totally, obviously, I totally agree with that. I think this is what this podcast is about, you know, to yeah. to bring up issues um, to do with sort of sport politics and and the reasons why we yeah. feel that there's so many sort of. Um, aspects overlooked yeah. at the elite level of, like, of course like just like on the football pitch like i can respect the way they play mm-hmm. uh, they play uh, like attractive football fun mm-hmm. football to watch i can uh, appreciate how they find talent as well they're talented players but we also have to ask ourselves like what do we want football to stand for like what values should be appreciated Absolutely. in football no i agree with you but i think i guess on the flip side and this is just playing devil's advocate because I, I agree with you fully but on the flip side of it, I think people, um, especially in sport, who are who are perhaps on not on the higher echelons yet. Okay, we talk about the the clubs who are aspiring to be something. They can look up to the teams like PSG, like um, RB Leipzig, and, and and say, hey, this could be us. If 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 a mega rich state were to purchase us, or yeah. a huge you know sport drinks company were to come in and and you know basically splash out a bit yeah. we, we could be up there we could be in the Champions League in the yeah, and we could even win it and you can see it's so hypocritical because you could see now uh, like in Newcastle like oh a lot of fans are arguing like oh Man City is uh, is owned by a state they use a fake club they used to get a lot of money but then now when it didn't go through but the Saudi was supposed to buy Newcastle and all the fans like oh yeah let's go we're gonna be the, like yeah, a new absolutely. best team so in the end it's all about winning yeah. but yeah it's also a little bit sad in there as well. Yeah. I understand it, but yeah. No, I get what you mean. It's it's sort of you know as long as it's is my team, it's fine, yeah. right? Um, but no, that's I think that's something that most <laughs> most football fans or most sport fans in general yeah. have to deal with, right? The the modernity of sport and the idea that you know sport is something pure has really gone out the window, really. And this yeah. is what the podcast is about. Yeah. It encapsulates everything well, that we want to sort of yeah. discuss. And also, I want to rant a little bit if i'm allowed yeah i'll afford you the time i'll give you two minutes Let's okay go. thanks so uh I, f- I think a lot of people they have noticed that uh, the political protest is going on in belarus at the moment uh where they are protesting the unfair election and uh, the sitting president uh at the moment uh, but what people might not know is that belarus is actually going to host the world championship in ice hockey next spring mm, right. together with latvia and now the prime minister of Latvia came out and said, like, yeah, like, if this is going on, we can't host the event with them. We're going to pull out. 
right. so I can stand with that. But my rant is against the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation, that is a big player in this field. And they were asked, like the person was asked about the situation, and he basically just said, "Oh, we only focus on sport." Uh, Belarus have been democratically elected as a host of the event, so we will stand by that decision until we've been told otherwise. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can understand that's like what is getting paid for to say. That's the politically correct answer to say. But for in my view, it's, it's very tone deaf mm-hmm. to state that, oh, yeah, let's go to Belarus and play a world championship at the same time as people are on the street uh, getting arrested, brutalized, uh, uh, beaten up for exercising their human right no, to express uh, their opinions. No, it does sound like a bit of a, a political cop-out by Sweden, I think. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's it says a lot about a country that has you know, the sort of values that I think the world thinks of Sweden as a progressive, you know, mm. sort of democratic, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I feel like uh, you just have higher standard. I understand it, but like sometimes just like uh, grow some balls and just go out there and state like, yeah, we can't like stand behind this. No, absolutely. And totally, uh, yeah. maybe yeah. support Latvia and like, yeah, we support Latvia to, to like pull out like we can't have a world championship in a country that is not respecting the human rights of the of their own people. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's that's definitely food for thought and for listeners out there as well. Um, feel free to email us or you know um, hit us up on Instagram if you've comments about what Carl just said. Yeah. I think there are a lot of parallels to be drawn. Um, and the the truth of the matter is, I think um, again we can't really ignore these questions to do with you know. Um, nation states and sort of their power over sports and what they do through sports um when we're talking about sports so it's it's mm. it's fascinating to see how this sort of unravels um but in in any in any case in any case let's move on a little bit to what we're going to talk about today um in more depth and at, at more length um because we've got a very interesting guest today and who is that Come yes on. it's it's a very good friend of mine uh more importantly uh, in the context of this podcast, is a is a semi-professional athlete. So we will talk to him today about his experience as an athlete, uh, and we will focus on two different subjects, especially. One it has to do with labor rights, especially now with the, the COVID-19 situation. How have his team, uh, Federation, dealt with it? How has he experienced the situation? And then the second topic is about as him as a black athlete, his experience with uh, racism in sports, both... Uh, on and off the field because even now in 2020 it's sad to say that racism is still an issue uh, in society and sport is not uh, an exception here or for example like i think it was last week uh, divok Origi, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, a football player soccer player for uh, liverpool mm-hmm. that came out and talked about his experience as a, uh, a black athlete growing up in belgium and uh, the, the racial abuse he experienced mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely fascinating can't, can't wait to to get to this interview really and I think um, for also listeners who listened to our last episode or rather our first episode if you like um, with Professor Louis Moore it, it's a nice little build up from, from theoretical almost to, to theory because um, mm. Joshua is very much a, a professional or semi-professional yeah. um, athlete and, and it, it'll just be fascinating to hear what he says so yeah let's get to it let's get it So today's guest is uh, Joshua Kenna. He's an uh, American football player or football player for them in the U.S. Uh, he has both the experience of playing in uh, 
North America and in Europe playing high school and college football in the U.S., but also at the highest level in Sweden and Finland in the professional leagues and also for the Swedish national team. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the to our podcast and thanks for taking your time with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. It's exciting. So yeah. yeah, I just have a, a quick question because when we did our, our background research on you, I had a hard oh, time God. to keep, keep up with all the different teams you've played for. So where's your loyalty? Oh, now? God. Where's my loyalty? Uh, first of all, this is what people and athletes got to understand. Your loyalty has to be towards yourself, first and foremost, uh, to make sure that you're in a, the best place to develop. That's going to be my political answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, my loyalty... Right. No, but uh, I've I played for Uppsala the most. Mm. I'll say I always leave and come back. So, uh, and that's thanks to one coach, which is uh, his name's uh, Mohamed Kadkadai or Mo Kadkadai. Mm. He's probably the best coach I've had. So, that's, I got to give it up to him. He keeps yeah. pulling me in. <laughs> no, that's really cool, Josh. Um, and no, I think for like for, for a lot of European listeners, right, and people who are not too well-versed with, you know, American sports and stuff. I think people are confused because when you talk about American football, right, in, in Sweden, that's not what people think about when they think about Sweden, right? People think no. about football, people think about Zlatan, obviously, maybe ice hockey, yeah. right, but not American football. Can you please expand a bit on, on yeah, the, the popularity of American football in Sweden? I mean, it's, I feel like it's grown over the years. Um, it's definitely not anywhere near hockey or, like, European football, uh, but it's growing. I feel like it's growing, and it's like our quality, the quality of our players are pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, or it's pretty high, uh, considering how many people we have just population-wise. I mean, Germany has, honestly, I don't know how many people Germany has, but they're in the top, uh, I'd say one of the top dogs in Europe right now. Sure. And if you compare Germany size-wise to Sweden, we're not that close, I'd say. Carl, how many people are in Germany? 82 million? Oh, we'll 82 out. million. Yeah. Okay, 82 million. And we're about an eighth of that, if even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we still produce stars at about the same level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, our, our quality is still pretty high, but we don't have that many to pick from. So, we don't have as, like, the sport itself is not as high or it's not as big or considered yeah, major. Yeah, yeah and, and I think, um, relatively speaking, for a small country, you, you produce, you know, so many top athletes and it's 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 impressive that you also yeah, produce top yeah. athletes in american football no specifically yeah i mean i'd say like sweden produces athletes and great athletes in general yeah sure that's um, what I mean, yeah. and and it's kind of crazy but you know that's also i don't really know where that comes from i, I guess it's the clean water that we have over here. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell them our secrets John. don't tell the secret <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we also want you to uh, Kind of because you were in U.S. playing high school football, also playing college football. So how do you then yeah. compare your experience of American football in Sweden to your experience in, in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, huge difference. Yeah. Uh, I'd say as soon as I got to the States, uh, I left actually like 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years ago, I was in a summer camp in the States right now. Uh, and what I noticed was, first of all, didn't matter what size you were, you could pretty much play 
like everyone knew how to play certain stuff. So it was like the execution was different. Everybody's mindset was just different. Because you would have like a couple stars. This guy's big. He plays lineman. He's a great lineman. Uh, but there I'd have a guy who's about my size, who's probably one of our best guards. And I was like, it, it doesn't make sense. But he knows what he's doing. He's got the technique now. Yeah. Uh, and their endurance, because they run. I don't know if I don't know, Carl, if you noticed any difference when you were there, but yeah. I <laughs> I haven't ran that much. I lost. I don't even know how many, how many pounds I lost. I lost so many pounds when I went over there, like <laughs> dripping in sweat after every practice. So they are way, way more conditioned than us, and they know how to execute. But I feel like strength-wise, we can catch it. Like, we're, we're there. Hmm. Uh, is there I'm also a, a change in mentality? Because I remember what, with ice hockey, like in, in Sweden, it's a lot of focus on technique and on, uh, like, skill-wise, while in U.S. it's more about, you have to be fast. You have to be physical. You have to be dump and yeah. chase. It's a different mentality. Could you see that as well? Uh, in America? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because in Sweden, we're like, just in general, <laughs> as Swedes, this is also something I shouldn't be saying. But uh, we're kind of like held back. We're kind of like, oh, but we shouldn't take up so much space. What about this guy? Like, We have a saying called like, well, there are people on the other side of the mountain as well. So... Mm -hmm. It's like we don't want to be – we're, like, conditioned to not be in the spotlight. Yeah. And sure. in the States, it was like you're supposed to be the biggest, baddest thing around. And for me, people were like, you're really good. You're so humble. I'm like, okay, I'm just being Swedish, I guess. <laughs> well, in America, there were, like, people who are not as good. And they were like, yo, uh, do you want – oh, my bad. <laughs> they were like, oh, I'm the, I'm the shit. I'm this. Oh, uh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Just selling yeah, good luck. Right? You're not, yeah, you're yeah. not good. So I'd say like there's a there's a shift in mentality. I wish we had more of that, and I feel like with the years of me being over there, I've developed more of a. I'm the dog. Doesn't matter what you say, what you do. I am the dog. And I feel like that's helped me a lot. Uh, just as, you know, I did I've done stuff, and I'm like, oh shit, my body just did that. I am the dog. Like it just like confirms <laughs> your. It just kind of confirms your theories and your mm. mental state. So when you're put in that state, just as you said, it's just different. Sure. And I guess what you're trying to say, Josh, is that it's just really important to have self-confidence in, in the United States. Otherwise, exactly. Yeah, yeah. By the wolves, yeah, right? Sure. Compared to, say, exactly. the European mentality, right? Where you're a bit more humble, more understated. That's the big difference. Yeah. I think generally yeah. in life, whether it's op opinions or athletic performance or, you know, whatever you do. That's, that's Politics. The, yeah. Politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Um, and no, I think now, now we go into maybe more specific questions um, to do yep. with um, the situation that, you know, I think has taken over all of our lives, like the COVID-19 situation. And we just yes. want to ask you, like, how, how has that affected your life as an athlete? Um, yeah, so far. Ooh, uh, a lot, actually. Um, basically, we, we, we had like... A bunch of people at practice it was looking very promising i was like this kind of reminds me of college like that's what our practices were like they were so organized there were so many people and i was like we could we could we could win a lot because right now i'm I'm playing for Uppsala and mm -hmm. arlen the jets 
which yeah, is so like just, a farm just, team. Just, sorry, just to clear up for, for people listening, like, so we're talking about the, the situation in Sweden at the moment, right? Because you're playing for yeah, team correct. in Uppsala, yeah. which is closer to like the center of Sweden. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm playing for, there's like a, a, to, a, a league in the top and then like a division one, I guess. Or, mm-hmm. or we consider division two. So division one, division two. Okay. And so I'll be playing for both teams. Uh, just because the Division Two team is my my first club I ever played for, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's my loyalty, Carl. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so going back and forth, there I was like, we could win this whole thing in both leagues. Like, let's do this. And when once Corona came in, and people were kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should show up to practice. I could get sick because if we're about sixty people at practice, practicing, and then people around us. I mean, people are bound to get sick. And I feel like we just kind of like the mentality just kind of, you know, we we didn't have what I was talking about in the States. Like, oh, no, I'm here to get better. Like this COVID thing, it's there, but I'm still here to practice. And and I respect that fully because, I mean, it's a a pandemic. Like it's it's nothing to joke around about. Sure. But, But once the situation settled, I mean, we needed to get back, and and it's the whole process of getting back that's been tough. Uh, how has it affected the the season as well? Because usually, the season in Sweden is usually during the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's usually so done I, by now. Yeah. So it's uh, has the, the the season completely been canceled, or is it just postponed to the future? Or how have they solved that? Uh, they postponed it. They did. Uh, so we're we're set up. We're starting in August twenty second, I believe, and we were spo- the season was supposed to start in April. Yeah. So they just kind of pushed it past the summer. Saw how the COVID situation was developing, mm-hmm. and decided that I think they decided in like mid June that we're yeah. starting off. So. Okay. Yeah, and I think probably the more important question or bigger question here is the the, the whole situation with finances, right? Because you're obviously an athlete, a professional athlete, and you're and I believe you're. Your, you know your your bread and butter is is from sport, right? That's how you earn your money, um, effectively. Well, not really. Uh, I still work. Okay. Because uh, okay. it's we can, we can, the league's kind of like semi-pro. Okay, okay. So some people on the team get paid. Some people don't have to pay, but right, a lot of people okay. do pay to play. Uh, and I think that's the situation in many European teams when it comes to American football. I know it's different when it comes to hockey, where they get more funds. Uh, I believe, at least, okay. at least in the higher divisions. Okay. Okay. Um, but you. So I mean, it hasn't affected me that way. We just kind mm-hmm. of. They still. My team was really good about it. They communicated really early and just said that you know, uh, we still want you here for the season. If you're okay with it, we would like to keep you. But we just kind of like push the payments back a little bit. I was like, okay. that's that's fine by me. I'm here to play football. Yeah, but how? Support but how much? Loyalty. Yeah, but how much has that like contributed and financially? I mean, like, so how much has Corona, you know, affected you know the way you live? Like your our life? economy. Is that, is that a big? Yeah, financially speaking, has that really affected your situation? Have you had to work more? Sort of obviously because you play less sport now and you you get less from sport. Well, uh, Corona-wise. I uh, I had to because I just started a new job in November, um, as an account manager, and they had to let people go because of Corona and saving up money. 
which I get. We have a policy. It's like last in, first out yeah. kind of policy. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty common in Sweden. And that's what happened pretty much. So I, I came in in November. A couple of people came in after me and we all had to go. Okay. Uh, so it's basically been trying to find other jobs <laughs> during the Corona time. It's been tough, but I've been managing to find one. And it's been pretty good. I worked at a school. Okay. Sure. Actually, yeah. That was pretty, it was pretty nice. All right. Uh, Yes, I think a lot of people don't really see that, that many athletes, especially in Europe and American football, they have almost like two different lives. They need to work during the days and then they have practice uh, at, at night. Uh, can you a little bit just expand, like how do you make this life uh, work? <laughs> yeah, work for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Because uh, you still have to have your job. You got to prioritize your time. Um, but seeing as I have a more of a professional status when it comes to the sport, I also have an obligation there. So what I really do sacrifice is my free time, I guess. Um, but working, I just make sure I have a job that works with my football, I guess. Um, because to me right now, I'm not ready to give the football up. So I just kind of want to maintain both. Okay. And I mean, it's it's tough because you have to like you still have to eat properly. You have to get get enough sleep. You have to still try to fi- figure out a way to work out. So sometimes you have to do that before work, during lunch yeah. breaks. So I mean, it, it really it's tough. I haven't really thought about it that way. It's just <laughs> how I've been programmed since yeah. I was a kid. Uh, so it kind of also like, reminds of the uh, like the the college life. Uh, when you're yeah. a college athlete, because you're a full-time student, at the same time you're a full-time athlete as well. Yep. So kind of, kind of similar situation, I would say. Yeah, and that's what I take to mind. That's probably one of the things I learned the most uh, outside of like the actual academic part of school is you're a student athlete. You're a student first, athlete second, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I approach life in general i'm like okay well the job's gonna actually pay my bills so the job comes first and then mm-hmm. this football thing comes second sure yeah and uh, you just want to bring back a little bit about the, the covid 19 situation like has there been yeah. any sort of protocols established by the federation that you need to follow like how has the communication been from the federation side um we are supposed to get i mean I don't really partake in it. I just know that um, they're still trying to work out if we can have people attending the games, if we can have, like, how our practices are set up. Uh, but I think it's been up to the teams with some direction from the Federation. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so it's been kind of, I mean, what we've made sure to do is practice outdoors. And what I personally do is I wore long sleeves. I'm trying to avoid bodily fluids from other people mm-hmm. on me. Uh, even if it's hot, I'm like, yo, I'm wearing a long sleeve. I don't care. I'm not getting your sweat on me. But then we found out that it can be carried like airborne not long ago. So um, I don't know. It's kind of tough. If you get sick, you get sick, and hopefully you get better. Yeah. And actually, a, a question to that for what you just said. So yeah, what happens if you do get sick from training? Do, are, your, are your rights as an athlete protected? Or do you, have you got insurance for that? Does the club cover it? Or is it on you to basically, you know, get healthy and? I don't really know. I would say that because what we've said is, if you feel any slight symptoms, mm-hmm. 
just stay away, stay home until you're safe. I think it's like, I think they said about two weeks. Uh, when you once you're good for two weeks, you're good to go. Uh, unfortunately, I myself didn't know. Apparently, I I got the antibody test done, and I was actually positive for antibodies. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. I kind of felt bad for a little while, uh, but I was sick for like a day or two. Sure. So I figured it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, figuring out the tw- and figuring out the si- the symptoms and stuff has been kind of tough. Um, but you but get, hopefully yeah. people are yeah sorry no sorry no my yeah. question was yeah do, do you get any support as well from from the club like do they help you like do they you know do they do they say okay you've got to get tested you know and then this is the protocol or is it basically on you to say actually I feel sick I'm now I'm going to go to the hospital and get tested and then I'm going to stay at home is that how's that been it's been it's been it's been on us okay uh, okay it's been I mean I mean it's been communicated but it's been on us. And luckily in Sweden, it's been basically free to get checked. Mm-hmm. And, or since we could get checked, it's been free, but it hasn't been, people haven't been allowed to get tested. It's been basically like, okay, you feel sick, stay at home. And if the situation escalates, then you can actually go and get tested. Right. Okay. Yeah. But that's like a, a call from the hospital. Like we don't make the call. Federation doesn't make the call. It's just the hospital does. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so we just want to expand like on a, on a broader perspective here because we can see across the sport world uh, uh, people are saying we need to bring sports back either because of financial reasons because of the tv contracts they have or for people like we need to come back to normalcy i want to see sports on tv but sometimes it seems like they neglect the the, the views of the athlete because the athletes actually wants to need to go out on the field and perform and we've seen athletes that have contracted the virus just when they've been playing the sport. So how do you see on this kind of view that do that the athletes view might be neglected? I feel like you need to have an open communication with the athletes uh, because honestly, the sports world doesn't work without athletes. Yeah. And I mean that with full respect to the people actually like organizing and planning because obviously we need them too. But it's like, the, the engine of the whole thing it is the athletes. And if the athletes aren't comfortable participating or training, then you shouldn't have to take a hit per se. If you don't, if you choose to opt out, yeah. that's what I would think. So I feel like a, an open dialogue with the athletes themselves. And I almost feel like you should do that on an individual level, because if you do that on a group level, it's like, yeah, I'll do it. And people are like, Oh, I guess I'm, I'm part of the team too. I'll be in. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, toxic i guess <laughs> sure and and josh do you and the question would be do you, do you think that actually currently exists that that kind of open dialogue that you speak of or is it or is there more that needs to be done could it be more you know transparent i, I feel like it should be more transparent i don't think that people because i'm it's, it's people's life sakes people people need yeah. to work people have mm-hmm. contracts and it's a lot of money and a lot of loss like regardless of which sport you either play right now there's been loss at that company and everybody's trying to save and save money. So, uh, I feel like definitely, um, there's, I don't, I don't believe that there's a communication because there's a certain sense of urgency within the organization itself, Mm -hmm. but I do hope there is some, yeah, I feel like the NBA kind of, kind of did that unless the media actually asked the players. I don't know how much the organization did to part of that. 
Yeah, no, sure. And, and then I, w- I would also bring up another question, which is, because it's interesting to, to listen to, to you talk about it. Um, in a way that, you know, it seems like there are differences between the way you, as an athlete, as an American football player, um, is treated, and you as an empl- employee at where you work, you know, as, a, as, as an accountant. Is there Absolutely. a big difference? Like, for example, are, are your rights as an accountant protected more as opposed to as an athlete or vice versa? I feel like uh, I feel like the company itself, speaking of my day job then, uh, mm-hmm. t- took more precaution. Like they want to make sure that employees don't get sick. Sure. And I feel like the sport, we don't have much more than the sport. We can't really say, well, go and practice this by yourself outdoors. It doesn't really work, but I can go and still have a conversation on my phone or do calculations on my computer Mm -hmm. so in a sense i feel like the job is doing a better job but how much more could a sport do especially team sports okay like if i was a tennis player i can go and work on my serve you know or work on my lateral drills but me playing a team sport if i play golf i could just work on my swing but me as a team player i need my team like there's some things I can do, but some things I cannot. Okay. So you think it's just so quite I, a complex guess, situation to be in, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's more comparing apples to pears, kind of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, but that's that's really interesting. I think, yeah. I mean, the fact that you said before is so complex. The idea that you know, despite the fact that I think, especially in Sweden, as an athlete, you are protected. There's only yeah. so much a federation or a club or a local team can do to protect the athletes. Um, yeah. But what, what are some ways you think that your club, you know, a federation or a local team could do? Some easy, so easy wins that they could do to protect the rights of, of athletes, any athlete, no matter how would, high up or low. I would say just kind of communicate um, with us, really asking us because it's been tough because you can't really have gatherings either and say like, Hey, let's have a meeting this day and talk about the COVID situation. How do you want to go forth with the season? Um, I feel like the teams themselves should have spoken to us more about how can we help you? Do you feel safe? Do you have someone in your uh, surroundings that's in the risk group? And basically it's just been like, we respect it if you don't want to show up, Mm -hmm. but we don't really know the reason for you not showing up sure. or at least yeah. the rest of the athletes. So I feel like we could have had more of a conversation. Like now we're like, I said, we're like 60 athletes, so it's going to be tough, but talking to each individual athlete about their comfortability and uh, talking to them about um, how we can go forth. Yeah. Um, and, and their plan of action. Have you retrieved it? Okay. How did you feel? Do you feel comfortable coming back? And just having that open dialogue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when it comes to the organization, I would say maybe just because I think the federa- the federation, sorry, the federation decided to have this season without communicating with the teams. They just said, oh, we're going to push it back to the fall. And that's that. And the teams were like, we didn't we didn't even have time to discuss this. You didn't talk to us about our financial situation. Mm. So in a, in a, in a sense, we should have gotten reimbursed and then 
after that decide what do we want to do? Do we want to partake this season or are we rebuilding for the next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you said like, yeah, communication with the players because I feel like sometimes also p- people forget that it's not just about the athlete as well. It's about the athlete's family as well because people always exactly. have this idea like, oh, he's an athlete, he's healthy, but he might have someone in his family that might be in, in the risk group as well. Uh, so you have yeah. to have a, a broader perspective as well of the athlete's life. And I'd say even even the athlete's like mental health. Yeah. Because like you don't know how this affects them. Like you gotta respect the the fact that this is a pandemic and everybody aren't feeling okay. Yeah. People have been. I know in Germany, for example, you guys have been uh, in like a lockdown, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Sweden, yeah, we didn't yeah. really have that. Sweden, and yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, Sweden. We've been wild. We've just been. People are still going to clubs and stuff. It's crazy. Uh, (laughs) uh, But like, even respecting that, like, you've been to this, you've been put in this confined space all of a sudden, and you might not feel the same. Like, it it hits you guys way different than it hits us. Yeah. So how is that affecting you mentally? Like, you need to take all these things as physically, but I mean, you can only do so much. Yeah. It's the same as well in the situation you are in and many of uh, your teammates that have a second, like they are athletes, but have a second job. And in the situation yeah. now, they, if they have lost their job and they lost their income, yeah. that's also going to put pressure and stress of like, oh, I need to be able to find a job as well to be able to survive. Exactly. No, I, I was, man, I was so stressed. I was so stressed like the first, because I was only out of a job for like two weeks. Uh, fortunately, uh, my coach then, uh, Mo Kelkadai, he uh, he said, uh, you know, I work at the school. If you'd like to, we'd love to have you. I can put your name up and see what goes on. And then just two weeks and I had a job again. And that security, everybody doesn't have that security blanket. Yeah, no. You know? Some people like legit have to stress and worry about their financial situation, rent, all this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, sure. No, I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think in, in your, you were put in a situation where, you know, you're quite obviously lucky to know the coach and, you know, he had contacts, you know, um, for you to yeah. work at a school and stuff. But as you said, many athletes, even, you know, sometimes elite athletes, you know, people who have um, played, participated in Olympic games, even, you know, we've heard stories where, you know, they, they can't feed themselves, you know, and that's something which I think not yeah. many people know. Uh, people think, you know, everyone lives... The glamorous, I mean, every sportsman or sportswoman lives a glamorous life, but that's not true. No, I feel like it's very, it's, it's like a few sports have it really, really well. But then just because you're a professional athlete in handball doesn't mean you're not, just because you're not making that money as an NBA player doesn't mean you're less talented. And it's just that the the money doesn't reflect that at all. No, yeah, I know what you mean. And the situation yeah. doesn't reflect it at all. But I mean, I get it. Some has to do with like endorsements. Some has to do with like the stage you play on or the country you play in. <clears throat> but in all reality, I know like soccer players at home, uh, at home, in Sweden, mm. uh, the men make a certain amount. The women make less, yeah. from what I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually, the women even have a second job. Sure. I don't know how the men's situation is. I'm sure some people do as well, but Not from what I've heard, league, no? yeah, yeah, Not from the, the highest league. Yeah. So there's a huge difference. 
Yeah. 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 I think we want to segue into a yeah. new topic, like mm-hmm. from one serious topic to another serious topic <laughs> yeah. uh, that we'll Absolutely. discuss with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a very serious topic, like, because we want to uh, hear your story if you have experienced any sort of uh, racism on the field as an athlete. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. Um, as you guys know, like over the past few what months, mm-hmm. racism is not it's there. <laughs> it's prevalent, it's always been, and it doesn't hide. Like it's always somewhere. And I feel like I'm a lot I'm fortunate enough to okay, so the, the racist situation here in Sweden, because people here are racist too. Yeah. Um it's not like in the States. It's not in your face. Yeah, 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 you're a la, la, la. I mean, it's like, they, they throw in little like, you know, subtle jabs. Mm-hmm. And you have to think like, wait, was that a, was that a racist thing? What, did he mean that? Did he say that just because of my skin color? And for me to be like brought up in that situation and being able to identify what's racist, what's not. Um, and then applying that to sports, uh, I've I've heard a lot of things. Like when I was in Finland, first of all, I was worried about going to Finland because I was like, I might be like one of three black guys there, and, and unfortunately, I wasn't. Fortunately, I wasn't. But uh, I was there, and I remember this fan. He was like yelling something in Finnish, and I was like, I was like, dude, I don't understand what you're saying. He was probably like drunk in the stands. But then he said something and people like reacted and my teammate was like, yo, he said this and this because you're black. And I was like, well, tell him to come say it to my face. Uh, I've experienced it heads on in the field. Like mm-hmm. uh, if you get tackled or you tackle somebody, you just hear someone saying something in a pile because the referee's not there. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, oh yeah, you stupid black, whatever. And I've even had things with referees sometimes. Really? They say shit. As well. Yeah, ref man, it's it's a different world out here. So you're just kind of like, all right, you have to kind of pick your battles uh, because before it's enlightened, people don't know that these things ha- these things happen, hmm. and you just kind of like, I mean, I hear stuff, but I'm like, oh, well, I get bad stuff too. Who cares? No one stands up for me. Why should I kind of stand up for them and make like a huge yeah. deal about it? You okay. just kind of have to pick your battles. And yeah. And yeah. And when, when I hear like a blatant you, when, thing. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry, just about what I think no, it's interesting what you, what you said there, like to pick your battles, because obviously for, you know, for, um, for someone who's not, not, not a professional athlete, you know, never experienced that. Right. Um, yeah. I think we maybe struggle to understand what it means by pick your battles, because I feel every time someone makes, let's say, a, whether it's a racist remark or homophobic remark or whatever it is, there's abusive. You want to stand mm-hmm. for the person, but what, what do you mean by you got to pick your battles? Could you expand that a bit? So basically, I had this situation uh, with my old roommate, um, Boss, if you remember him, Carl. Yeah. He's from the Netherlands, and he's Caucasian. He's, he's a funny dude. Shout out, Boss. What up, man? Uh, <laughs> he, him and I were in the store. Me, him, and another guy named David Mahoney. Um, and David Mahoney is half black, half white. 
So we're walking in the store. I think it was like a Best Buy. And we're just walking, looking at stuff. Oh, we should buy that new game. Oh, yeah, Madden this, whatever. And all of a sudden, you have like a guy come up. Can I help you? Like, no, we're good. We're just looking. Okay. We turn the corner. Hi, can I help you? Like, no, we're, we're just looking. Thank you. And to him, it's like, oh, but they're just being friendly. We're like, yeah, okay, yeah, they're just being friendly. And then like, the third person comes, and we can see these people just circulating. And then he starts getting upset, like, hey, we haven't done anything. We've just been walking here. And they've checked up on us. I think it was like six or seven times. And they're like, why aren't you guys, like, furious? Like, why don't you guys tell them, like, I don't need your help. Thank you. Or, like, anything. Just get upset. And I was like, you got to pick your battles because this happens all the time. Every time. You go to the store. You see someone hold their purse when you walk across them from the street. Like, I've, I've like, met someone on the street, and they're, like, snatched their purse they pull their kids closer. Like, I'm going to snatch a kid. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, oh, don't get too close to that blackness because it might do something to you. Sure. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's like little things constantly that people might not even think about that they're doing, mm -hmm. but they're doing it and sure. we notice it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if I'm, if I'm there to point out every single thing, uh, I'm going to go insane. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that's just, it's not, I'm not there for it. Yeah. When I was younger, I could be like upset or sad about it, but now I'm just like, hey, that's just how they work. Go on, live my life, and I'll live longer. Sure. And I think it's even but then more, if there's, yeah. I think and for you, it's probably even more amplified because, you know, you have it both on the field and off it. And I think that, you know what I mean? I think when you're put in a spotlight as a professional athlete, as a semi-professional athlete, when there are crowds gathering, you know, watching every week, that that, you know, amplifies it without a doubt right because um you yeah. know um you're again one of not many black players you know on on the field of and um yeah it just does something to you as well and also it's not just like the opponents like it can be your same home crowd it can be the same people that love you if you do something great all of a sudden you know this carl like when if if uh if i play for sweden and we win and i do something great oh yeah. he's one of our great swedish players and la 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 but if I like miss a tackle or drop a touchdown or do something that's not representative or really good for the team, like, oh yeah, that guy is from Tanzania. Like he's that, that, and that. Like all yeah. of a sudden you just switch nationality. Like, oh, you're all Swedish last week yeah. when I scored a touchdown. But this week I changed what happened during this week. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, like, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I have also, I know exactly what you're talking about with like this, like, oh yeah, if you do something good, you're Swedish. If you don't do, if you do something bad, then you are some, uh, an immigrant. You, you're not Swedish. Uh, yeah. And, uh, then I'm also interested in like, so how, uh, so what do you think is the responsibility of your teammates in, in situation like this when they, uh, when they see one of their teammates, uh, get abused, uh, uh, racial abuse or, uh, homophobic abuse uh, in in the in the field. I feel like honestly, be a teammate. <laughs> to me, being a teammate, you're there working together for a common goal, and you build each other and you hold each other up. So it's like if one person falls, you need to be that person going there, picking them up, regardless if you like the person or not. You should have that respect. 
that's just in my opinion. And if someone's being verbally abused, no matter what for, you should be there backing them up. Mm-hmm. Even if it's physically abused, which mm-hmm. happens, yeah. you need to be there backing them up, right or wrong. Either you pull them away from the situation or you get in there. Yeah. And, and, have, your, and have your teammates been generally supportive every time, you know, because you, you've said that you faced, you know, challenges on the field, you know, countless times, you know, uh-huh. racism, you know, abuse. Have they always been there for you as a teammate in, in that regard? See, I played in a, in a few teams. Uh, <laughs> and I can't say that's always been the situation. I have teammates that I trust and, like, I will go to war with. Uh, but sometimes it's like, would this person go to war with me? You know, and having that kind of, like, mental ghost there is not the best feeling. Um, but what I've done is just, if I, I can't affect that. I can't affect what other people would do for me. Sure. I will just affect what I can do for people. Mm-hmm. And hopefully in that act, people will want to do more for me. It's kind of like a respect thing. You give respect, you get respect. And that's just kind of how I treat the situation. But I know that I've been in situations where I've been verbally or physically abused, not abused, but like, you know, yeah, attacked. And I counterattack it and my teammates have held me back. And <laughs> I can't tell you, I can't stress enough how frustrating that is because it feels like I know they mean me, like they mean well. They're trying to help me and try to de-escalate the situation by pulling me back but that makes me feel like they're the and it makes me feel like they're against me yeah yeah you know what i'm saying yeah yeah because there's been a couple of situations like this with uh, athletes that have walked off the field or uh, done something to the crowd and then it's it's not the action of the fans it's the reaction of the players that is wrong like you should just lock it yeah. out just block it out so so they kind of blame the athlete for the reaction, not the actual use. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, which is insane. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, cause you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, Hey, stop tackling so hard, you know? Um, or, you know, stop, you know, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like stop committing a, you know, yeah, a foul or something, you know, in order to yeah. win. you know what I mean? Like in that way, like in a game, um, yeah. you'd rather have someone saying like, we're here for you. Sure. Stand up for you. Like it's us against them. I don't care what they say. I hear you. Next time we get them together. Like that that's my been my mentality from the get-go. If someone's like, oh, he said this, I'm like, who? Number 43? All right, cool, nice, nice. Let's get him next time. (laughs) I will never be like, yo, dude, don't do something bad because then the ref will see. I'm like, no, man. Beat his ass. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I can cuss. Beat his ass. But worry about the consequences later. I'll yeah. be there with just, you. Yeah, just in a, jail, you know. Just, 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 just say, jail, yeah, this, this podcast doesn't, doesn't condone violence, but you know, if in the face of racism, we don't. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't hold yeah, back. Like, sometimes you need to take. If it's racism, you might have to catch these. Might have to. Yeah. But then I'm <laughs> interested as well. Like, have you experienced the well? Some of your own teammates have ver- verbally abuse or physically abuse uh, one of your opponents. And then how is that reaction then? I have. Uh, and that's kind of been, it's been a tough situation because you still want to support your teammate. Yeah. And, you know, they, they might like, I think someone was like, 
cussing at someone and then they like spat at them and i was like i pulled that person aside like yo like yo we don't do that it's like yeah but he he said this i was like beat them the right way you know like you you are in football (laughs) legally allowed to punish someone between a certain amount of time like why would you not use that time where they're like yo free for all yeah right here it's uh what's that what's that movie called uh purge right here you got the little purge for like four seconds purge the shit out of that dude (laughs) for four seconds for like a lot of time during the game like you have all this time find the right time to do this not between the whistles Mm -hmm. that's what i say i'm like yo take care of him the right way yeah yeah don't spit don't do all this like nasty stuff yeah tackle the shit out of that dude yeah um, I'm still cussing. I don't know. We unleashed the beast. <laughs> Carl was like, Carl was like, oh man, we need, we need I told him not to cuss. We just gotta, we just gotta <laughs> leave <laughs> all of this. It's gonna Carl, be Carl editing this to tomorrow, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty, so, yeah. Hey, Carl, hey, good luck, man. Just want to get passionate about things and just comes, yeah. this shit just comes out, Carl. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not uncensored, uncensored podcast here. Yeah. So, so we talked a little about about the responsibility of the athlete when it comes to the situation. So, what responsibility yes. do the federation have and the club have in to tackle uh, this issue about racism? Yeah, and homophobia. I would say, I mean, I feel like. I feel like we've taken steps. This is, I don't know. This is just football in Sweden. We've taken steps to like talk about drugs. We've taken steps to talk about homophobia and how that's not okay. And like, I think my club is uh, LGBTQ certified, certified, you know, but we've literally never talked about race as if it's like, Oh no, but that doesn't happen. You know, I, that's not that's not just critique towards my own team yeah. or the organization. I feel like that should be a, a thing that organization should put forth now. But I don't even know how to educate about it, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you educate someone about race when it's something that we've built up? Like, you look a certain way, I look a certain way. He looks a certain way. Like, how do we... People look different. Yes, I know that. Like, there's no... Yeah. It doesn't have to change your racist views. It's just there. But I feel like you need to, as a team, install that culture that we're here together, we respect each other, regardless of what you look like, because we have this common goal. You might not like him, but you need him, so you got to respect him or her. So I feel like that conversation just needs to be, you know, set. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just the, the elephant in the room, right? I mean, I think, I think maybe, exactly. I think, I think from a, I don't know, I think from from a spectator's point of view, from a fan's point of view, you know, we often think that, you know, then if you play together for such a long time and you and you do, you know, you basically train next to each other, you know, these are just, you know, it goes with, or it goes without having even say it, right? But actually, yeah. in in reality, that's not true because there are things that exactly. need to be said and need to need to be reiterated. Um. Yeah. Because I mean, if you don't talk about it, then that will remain the elephant in the room. And honestly, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me to talk about. It's not comfortable for 
it shouldn't become i don't think many people find it comfortable to talk about no. like okay why is this a weakness to you why does this hurt you like it's 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 when we come into the whole thing about feelings and perception and trying to explain it to someone who doesn't get your viewpoint you don't have to understand everything you just have to listen mm-hmm. and un- like the only thing you have to understand is that it affects someone somehow sure that's all you need to understand yeah and i feel like we lack that empathy as people in, in general yeah uh, today than ever and would you say that applies to your experiences both in europe in sweden as well as in in the in the united states yeah i would say that i feel like it's it's a it's a bigger it's more talked about in the states like in 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 sweden people are still like what there's there's no racism I'm like how can you sit here in front of me and literally say that you might not experience racism but i have and they're like no but i got i got this black friend he said he's never experienced anything i'm like well he's been isolated his whole life <laughs> yeah like it's it's clearly there and in the states it's more like like people have not been heard for so long so it's frustrating like even when i was there i think um like getting personal but like me and carl we took a road trip down to florida spring break remember that yeah i well, do remember that <laughs> <laughs> and there were times where it was like ah oh, we're really like in hickville like you know uh, are we we can stop at that gas station i'm like no we're not stopping at that gas station why well you know we're just not putting ourselves at risk and then like if i was like oh let's stop in atlanta like downtown atlanta called like oh i don't know if i feel safe here so so you know that, that uh, would be that would be like situations where where we missed each other but we could understand each other like because me and carl have that relationship like yeah. all right man i get it it's not a good it's a place to stop but it's not the best place to stop sure no i i do remember one situation as well i don't know if you but we were uh, in grand rapids uh we were trying to go to parkway if you remember shout out to parkway <laughs> you the ones that knows no <laughs> but, but we were walking in the middle of the night <laughs> uh downtown grand rapids we were a little bit lost we didn't really know where we were and we saw a cop car uh-huh. we saw a cop car and in my view it was like oh let's go and ask the cop for help he can give us direction but josh's initiation was no like if you're going to talk with the cops it's got to be you because i need to stop i need to stay back <laughs> and so for for me it's like yeah i see a cop that's for me oh i can ask for help well for you it's like oh you see a cop in the middle of the night that's like danger i need to stay away so it just kind of like open up my mind as well to like oh yeah we can have different experience and different viewpoints of stuff even though the cop was a really nice guy so it's like super like super friendly he helped us a lot but it's just this yeah kind of because of the yeah. history with no, and, police brutality and, and fundamentally in the end day whatever you talk about it comes down to the color of your skin which is which is you know yeah. in this in this day and age 2020 july is insane still prevalent still ridiculous because like i mean i'm not gonna look at carl back okay he has a different skin color than me i hate that dude like why, why would i don't know carl like if i weren't if i didn't know carl like, oh i hate that dude why get to know the person first 
But that's funny because <laughs> it was really in the middle of the night. We were lost. And I was like, ah, it's this general direction. And I saw the cops. And I was like, Carl, Carl, we can, we can go over here. And I was like, Carl, let's, let's not. We don't know what kind of cop it is. Yeah. Like, we don't know anything. And, and to be fair, Carl, you don't really look Swedish, Swedish. You know what I mean? You don't yeah, have blonde, yeah. blue eyed. Yeah. I was like, anything could happen in this situation. Did it wear the compliment or not? It turned out good, though. But it kind of segues yeah. us into the, the next question here about because now with, uh, we have in the US with police brutality, uh, it's a big uh, topic there. And uh, with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, as also now seen. In Europe and in Sweden as well, uh, and now with athletes. So, do you think if athletes have a, have a responsibility to uh, like publicly be speak publicly about societal issue to take a stance? I feel like athletes have the platform to do so. Hmm. I don't feel like they have the responsibility to do so. Um, and I don't know that that might be controversial, but. What, what is your prime like i'm not going to ask an accountant to help me build stuff if the accountant doesn't know how to build stuff so why would i ask an athlete to be a politician yeah you know and then of course you can be passionate about it you can always support it like i know a lot of athletes don't do like say much but they might donate to different causes but then you don't have to be like oh well i'm this guy for alzheimer's and I'm very passionate about Alzheimer's. Like, I'm, I'm just glad if you support it somehow. You know, you don't have to actively say, hey, I'm very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. You, whatever drives you, drives you. And if you're out there and comfortable in your situation to you say <clears throat> uh, that you're speaking up for racial injustices, I mean, we all have seen what could happen if you do that. Like, you have Colin Kaepernick kneeling and just saying he's kneeling for police brutality his message being misconstrued and being black blackballed out of the league for like four years mm. and for those who don't know who colin kaepernick is he took a knee during the national anthem mainly because he wanted to that was his platform of peacefully protesting people were like why is he taking a knee he's a quarterback he's like one of the most important people. Why is he not? We're supposed to stand yes. during the national anthem. So they ask him, "How come you were kneeling during the national anthem? Do you not like America?" And he's like, "I love America. I just don't like how some people of color are being treated." And I think that was like the perfect way to do that in a peaceful way. And. People were saying like, oh, he's there disrespecting America, spitting on our flag. He might as well have just burned a flag right then and there. And he did it peacefully. And the NFL, I don't know exactly, because this is like behind closed doors in the NFL. They were like, nobody signed this guy. Even though he was actually better than a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people here in Europe understand that Colin Kaepernick, when he took that knee, sure, maybe his career was declining a little bit, but he was still maybe like top 10, top 15 quarterback in the league. Yeah, and right sure. now, people, there are 30 teams in NFL. Each team have at least two quarterbacks. So from him 32. going, what? 
at least 32 teams. So that's like, like uh, 60 quarterbacks in the league at least. Yeah. And from him to yeah. going down from top 10 to outside of the top 60 in the league, it's just doesn't happen. Like it didn't mm. decline that much. Sure, sure. No, yeah, and teams have like practice squads too. Like you got to think about that. Yeah. The people in practice squads who are not like we're not on the team team, but we practice with the team. Yeah. And they have quarterbacks. So for that, for him not to be in basically the top 90 yeah, or top 100 quarterbacks, come on. Yeah, and at the same time as well, like he gets, uh, yeah, not part of the league, but then you have players that have been convicted of domestic violence, of uh, uh, robbery, and uh, also been part yeah. of shootings and uh, stuff like that. And they are accepted back general, into the league. Not being, yeah, or generally just not being good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, I think it's safe to say they've it's just that ridiculous. There's been worse quarterbacks for all sorts of reasons, worse whether on the field or off the field, who, who just you know, yeah, haven't been treated as badly as Colin Kaepernick. And that's oh, no. And that's I mean, bad. it's like now where he's they're discussing. They even had to discuss to bring him back in. That's just proof that they've been blackballing him from the league. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're willing to consider to bring him back into the league, and it's like. When did you take him out and why? Because he stood up for something he believed in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't that that doesn't fly. It's like it's like uh, it's like David Beckham. Once he was getting older, but still playing well, saying like, ah, "Man, he's like, no man, I I'm really passionate about this. I'm gonna peacefully protest." And they're just like, "Yeah, no, we don't need that. Be gone." Yeah. 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 Yeah, and actually, it's interesting because you talk about yeah these these players being being in your in your own words blackballed, right? And then, but then you went on to say early on that you think athletes shouldn't be held responsible to be you know these you know, flag bearers for certain causes. And in this moment in time, we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, right? So you think that it should be a decision for them to take. You know, if they want to do it, they can do it. If they want to be vocal and expressive, they can. Otherwise, you know, they Absolutely. should be held. You know, you know. Too responsible, you know, for for these for these for these causes. Um, what 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 do you say then to people who who would argue that people are not or athletes who are not speaking out are facilitators of you know this sort of repression, this sort of you know racism? I mean, I feel like most athletes have an opinion about it, and people have said stuff. Drew Brees, for example, said stuff about stuff about the cause. But then taking back statements, uh, like you got you got to use your platform carefully. And if you decide to do that, all for you, because it's not easy. You're putting yourself out there, uh, and I respect players not wanting to because, at the end of the day, we're talking about jobs. This is someone's job. They worked about worked to get to their entire lives, and it can be taken away just like that. So I just feel like if, if you decide not to do it, I'm okay with that. I can respect that. But mm-hmm. there, there's at least an opinion. So if someone asks you, what do you think about this? It's not what's right or what's wrong. It's what do you think about this? And there's always yeah. an answer to it. Yeah. 
I think yeah, I think Pretty that's much. been more than enough, really, Josh, yeah. from from our <laughs> side. Because I think we've asked you, we've gone through so many different categories of topics. I think they've all been really, really sort of heavy, and but you've you know you've yeah. managed to you know give you know your side of the coin, your opinions, you know, really, really well. And I think our listeners would be also just you know generally interested you know, to know about the experience that you faced as as a black athlete, both in the states and Europe. Um, whether it is to do with the coronavirus or to do with you know the issue of racism, and I think yeah, they've all been really, really yeah, interesting points. Thanks. No, and just to take it down, <laughs> much, Josh. Just to end on a on a on a optimistic point, we want to ask you like a fun question, yes. which we want to do with all our guests, right? And the question yes. is, um, as a as a young athlete growing up, both in Sweden and in America, right? Who mm-hmm. was your role model? It can be in politics, Oof. it can be whatever, but. Uh, a role model for you, you know, that you looked up to? Uh, oh, I've had so many. Um, I would say one that I absolutely loved and adored. This is going to be so cliche. Michael Jordan. Uh, growing up, I was crazy. Like, I had, like, Michael Jordan cereal. I had posters. I had, like, Michael Jordan toys. I saw Space Jam. I was like, ah, he's everywhere. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I went to McDonald's, bought a Happy Meal. I got a McDonald. I got a Michael Jordan toy. So I was like, this guy's. It's like this best day of your life. He's, <laughs> best day of my life. No, mm-hmm. so it was basically like I thought he was cool. Um, obviously, for every reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's. I didn't know if he was perfect. I still don't know if he's perfect. Probably isn't. But he's barely human. And just his competitive instinct, just how I could see him like go from like being this happy-go-lucky guy to be smoke, like we're killing something right now. That's probably what I like the most about him. And then seeing now, I just watched uh, the last dance not too long ago, like a couple of weeks ago. Getting another side of him, I was like, I like this. It just kind of like reconfirms the drive that he had and stuff that he does that I still do I'm like yo he said what about me personal like that's yeah. <laughs> that's kind of it so I would say him and it's I didn't play basketball at all so I think it's funny how he's one of my role models yeah mm. Josh thanks very much for mm. coming on our show and yeah thank you guys much about some very personal issues some very heavy topics yeah yeah thanks for sharing you're always welcome back hey hey just hit me, hit me up. I'll, I'll be right back. Talking about more. <laughs> so that was our interview with uh, a good friend of mine and uh, the summer professional athlete, Joshua Ikenna. And uh, yeah, he had very interesting points and uh, opinions about the uh, his situation when it comes to the labor rights, but also about the topic, the very hard topic to discuss uh, racism. Uh, and what do you take out of this uh, interview, John? Mm, I think it's difficult to even start because I think it was, we, 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 we sort of dealt into two quite complex issues. Um, and, and to begin with, I think the labor rights issue was so interesting because he talks about being an athlete and often and say again, people associate being an athlete with the sort of glitz and glamour, right? Of of their rights obviously being taken care of very well by their club and their contracts and everything. But for a semi professional athlete mm-hmm. who works a full time day job, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. Um and it's funny how he said that 
he felt more protected or more safe um, doing his daytime job as an accountant mm. as opposed to his sort of part-time athletic yeah. um, job or career. And yeah. that, again, um, speaks to speaks about the vulnerabilities that comes with being an athlete um, yeah. in Europe during the times of the yeah. COVID-19. Because sometimes it's, it's not just on the club as well because sometimes the clubs don't have the resources to do, to, to protect mm. them uh, as the more the companies have. Absolutely. So it's up to that as well. But also, as he mentioned, a lot of these athletes uh, don't get paid. Mm-hmm. Some of them even pay to play. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so then you can uh, think, are, so are they even considered ad workers? Are they even underneath these labor rights? Mm-hmm. And that those are questions which, again, are very, very pertinent and, and which we will pose to our next guest on um on a future episode we have planned mm. um we won't give it away just yet but we yeah. will have an episode on um labor rights in sport um specific to to european sport um and yeah we can't wait to get on that but just yeah. back to this back to to joshua and, and what he said and i think what stood out particularly from the second segment mm. to do with racism in sport and the black lives matters movement was um when he talked about picking his battles yeah. both on the field and off it and um being a black athlete in America and in Sweden, having experienced both overt and sort of institutional discrimination and racism, um, just highlights the battles that um, black athletes face on a day-to-day basis, and sometimes even within the same team, really from their own teammates, um, yeah. who they feel perhaps um, don't do enough to sort of support them. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I first of all, I used I used to appreciate his openness mm-hmm. and his uh, honesty in this uh, very tough discussion to have as you mentioned like it is an uncomfortable discussion to have but it, it is important to discuss racism because it is an issue in our society and uh, as he he mentioned as well like sometimes he didn't feel the support from his uh, teammates mm-hmm. and sometimes even that he felt that his reaction or a reaction to the racial abuse is getting m- more attention than the racial abuse itself what is it, what is an issue because then the focus is on the on the wrong stuff because mm-hmm. then it's like oh the problem is your reaction you should just shake it off yeah. don't listen to them yeah. you should be, be cooler just stay calm well no matter of fact the, the real problem here is that another player is racially abusing uh, their opponent precisely and that's a whole different discussion which we would like to have in the future yeah. with regards to the role of um the media in general, in sport, mm. in highlighting these issues and bringing them to the fore instead of sort of picking the ones that sell papers, let's say. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, I thought also when he talked about the idea of the athlete as the flag bearer, again, which the media sometimes portray athletes and in the fact that they put this responsibility on athletes to be this every man to every sort of person, right? Or every woman to every person. Yeah. Um, it's a strange one because we don't do that to doctors. Yeah. We don't do that even to politicians at times, you know, which no. maybe we could do more. Yeah. We don't do that to like writers or musicians, but no. we do that to athletes. And I thought what he said about the fact that athletes have the right to choose mm. when to stand up and say things and they can also choose to be silent. That I think um, really, really brought sort of the conversation yeah. to sort oh. of, you know, a very sort of um, sensitive place because I think Many people, I'm not sure listeners as well, would, would would easily condemn a player who doesn't come out and, and you know and, and talk about you know um, racism or you know stand up for um, you know um, their own place and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Um, but it's easy to forget that these players are also human beings who are on contracts, who have families. And I'm not talking about the big players here who are on 200,000 a week. I'm talking about the players who are on, you know, sometimes even minimum wage. Mm. Um, we're talking about the semi-professionals. So, yeah. What do, what do you think about this, Carl? Yeah, like I can I can see the viewpoint that uh, an athlete don't feel comfortable in mm -hmm. uh, speaking up. And as Josh mentioned as well, like some of these athletes, they have spent their whole life to get where they are right now. Mm -hmm. And they have sacrificed so much, spent so much time. And then to maybe sacrifice that for a political cause, a lot of people might not want to do that. Yeah, stretch too far. Of, cor yeah. of course, like with uh, Colin Kaepernick, he, that's what he basically did. He sacrificed he's an absolute um, he, he hero, uh, icon of the movement. Yeah, of that. course, and I, I respect that, but I can't blame an athlete for not taking that step. No, I can't either. And I think, personally, obviously, um, I might have my, I, I might have a different view on this um, in terms of taking a stand and, and things. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, you can understand, you can, I think what Josh alluded to was the fact that people have the right to choose what they do. And mm -hmm. they, if it impacts their lives and their families, then, you know, yeah. um, they have to make the decision that benefits them personally, yeah. first and foremost. Exactly. And then to bring this back to the intro, mm -hmm. what I talked about, my concern with the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation and their lack of speaking out there about the cause in Belarus. Mm -hmm. I think the difference there is the power relation. They are a federation, an institution uh, that can uh, speak out and they don't have as much to sacrifice uh, to speak out. I think that's the main uh, main difference mm -hmm. between uh, a federation speaking out and a, a player. Absolutely. And that's that's a very, very interesting point. And it's, it's again, food for thought, I think, um, in, in this whole um, debacle, if you like, to do with athletes speaking out on, on issues to do with race um, and other topics. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I think it's been yeah again a very uh, very full on episode, yeah. a lot of stimulating topics. But you know, uh, I feel a very very beneficial one also for yeah. for, for, for for I guess for our listeners, for ourselves anyway, as just podcasters as well as yeah, like students of the game, if you like of of sport. I feel like we just as uh, a host, I I learned so much like already. Absolutely, you're getting new different perspectives of stuff, and mm -hmm. hopefully our listeners feel that way as well i hope so too and i hope you enjoyed um, this episode and if you do please follow follow us on our social media platforms um i think we're not very we're not very good promoters of it but, but in, you know we uh, we're not good promoters but yeah we have a facebook page we have it yeah. we have an instagram page we, do, we, we do have a twitter it. page as well so if you want to follow us please do you know yeah. force to and uh just if you don't have these accounts then yeah good on you man what is it called it's just <laughs> called it the sport uh, sporting spirit podcast it is yeah it is indeed so there's the sporting spirit podcast we are live on facebook on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, just follow us. That's it, yeah. Yeah. I guess then that's it for another episode of yeah. the Sporting Spirit. That's a wrap. Peace so and love. Peace and love. <laughs>